First, when he started off the introduction, it sounded like an obituary. He was born to Tim and Sherry Lejeune, and I thought, man, sounds like you're reading my obituary. No, but uh, it's just, it, you know, I, I was commenting to my mom this past week, and I, don't, I didn't tell him this, but I was commenting to my mom how, um, you know, in every, every big family, um, I, I've noticed a lot of big families that grow up in churches, and unfortunately not every, you know, obviously the parents who, who are sometimes ministers, pastors in the, in the ministry, if you will, they want all their kids to turn out right, to love the Lord, and that's the goal. But uh, sometimes, and not every time, make sure this thing's on. Am I on now? I think I accidentally turned it off. Okay. And uh, you, you want everybody to turn out right. And, and really, I, I, I tell my wife this often. We, I, I'm so blessed to have the family I have, and it's all God's grace. And it's all what, what God does in our lives. It's not, nothing what we do. But I really feel like uh, in our family, the dynamic is this. Um, I really feel like, you know, when... when you have the oldest sibling who turns out right, who loves the Lord, and uh, of course my brother's the oldest oldest of us. And not only does he, not only does he love the Lord, but he's taking a special interest. And I think I can speak to, uh, for the rest of us. He's taking a special interest in all of us, and has has cared about us. And I remember when he went off to Bible college, and, and talking to him on the phone when he came back from Bible college, just thinking, you know, he really cares about if I'm walking with the Lord. He really cares about it. And sometimes when you see big families. Siblings can go off different directions, and it's, it's sad to see. And, you know, I, I, I really thank God for my, and now I'm getting emotional, but I'm really thanking God for my oldest brother because, I mean, really, it, it is the Lord. It is his grace. But you, when, you have, when you have a sibling, not just the parents, but a sibling who really cares, spends time, we go play basketball, we do different things together, uh, go, down to, go down to 7-Eleven, get a big, big gulp or something, and just we're together. And he really takes time and asks questions, how you, how you doing? Are you reading your Bible? And somebody who really takes interest in you, that, that makes a big, a big difference. And uh, so I'm thankful for that. Uh, I want to be mindful of time. You said, I'm sorry, you said 12.05? Okay. I wanted to make sure I got that right. Let's, let's go ahead and uh, turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. And uh, this is the first time I think I've ever preached the same message twice in a row. So I might end up preaching two different messages. I don't know how this is going to work. So um, Matthew chapter 18. And uh, we're going to also be in 1 Corinthians. So if you can kind of hold your finger in another place, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we'll read both passages. If we could stand for the reading of God's word, if you'd be so kind, if you're willing and able. And uh, 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 18, and then we'll go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And we'll read the first five verses of this chapter, Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. The Bible reads, At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name, receiveth me. And let's go ahead and go over real quick to 1 Corinthians 13, verse 5. And 
I'm sorry, verse 11, 1 Corinthians 13, 11, it says, When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer as we go through this message. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word, and thank you so much for your people, and uh, for your love, and for your salvation, and just every, all the blessings that we have, this country, and that we just celebrated yesterday, uh, uh, birth of our nation. And we're just so thankful for all of your many blessings and ask that during these few moments you'd help me to say your word, uh, say everything how you'd have me to say it, and that you would speak through me to us, and uh, that everything would be done according to your will for your glory. We ask all things for Christ's sake. Amen. And going back to Matthew chapter 18, what I want to do essentially is I want to start, you may be seated, I want to start in Matthew chapter 18 and talk a little bit about it, and then I want to spend a little bit of time in 1 Corinthians 13. And uh, the title of my message is Childish or Childlike. Childish or Childlike with a question mark at the end. And we've all heard the word childish. It's a word that sometimes we use. And, and you may have heard that word. And usually if you hear that word childish, it's not, a, it's not a really a good thing. If somebody says, you know, you're just being childish. And uh, you need to grow up or you need to stop acting so childish. And that's not typically a good thing. And, uh, but here in Matthew chapter 18... The disciples come to Jesus, and, and they, they, in understanding the culture uh, uh, back then in those days, and the culture was very much one of, uh, with, with, with modern day Judaism, uh, with that day Judaism in that time, it was very much about position, it was very much about power, about money, and you had the different, uh, different religious sects. You had the uh, Pharisees, the Sadducees, they were Sadducee, and I hear that joke all the time. And, uh, but uh, you had different people and different groups that were vying for position, for power, and they had the synagogues, and, and Jesus came on the scene, and he was very, very paradoxical in his approaches. It was, uh, it was almost the opposite. And uh, the way up is down. You want, your, you want to keep your life, you've got to lose it. And uh, you want to be first, you've got to be last. You want to be last, uh, uh, then be first. And uh, his, his whole approach to life was everything was completely different. It was so different from the way that they were used to thinking. And uh, here the disciples, of course, they already decided to follow Jesus. They already had some time following our Savior. And it's interesting that even followers of Jesus Christ, they still were seeking this, this, this position. And we see this a lot with them. And it was still about who's going to be the greatest, who's going to be number one, who's going to be able to sit next to Jesus in the kingdom. And uh, it was very much uh, about position. And uh, Jesus takes a little child. He maybe found a, a child who's playing or somebody, a child that was near. And he calls the child over and says, you want to know who the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he says here in verse 3, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus essentially takes this child and puts, it before the, puts this child before the disciples and says, this child, this child, I, I want to appoint you to a child. And, and, and so there are certain attributes of a child that a lot of times we as adults, and uh, uh, we can, as adults, start to get older, and uh, we lose those attributes. And so we talk about the word childlike, being childlike in certain areas. And, uh, uh, you know, people are a lot like, and I've heard this a lot, people are a lot like onions, and we all have layers. And not, uh, we're just, uh, as we get older, we add more layers but really, that, that selfish little child that, that is, in every single, is in every single one of us, that selfish little child, I know when I'm driving on the road and somebody cuts me off, that selfish little child says, hey, how dare you cut me off? And I want to lay on the horn. Sometimes I do, and my wife says, you know, you ought to, you ought to calm down and uh, watch your blood pressure. And, 
Right? But sometimes I just, man, I can't believe that guy did that to me. And of course, we're here in the, in the, uh, greater New York City area, and I know that there's lots of traffic here, right? So, uh, we all can have times where we're in the flesh, we're in the moment, and somebody's done something to us on the road. And so, uh, but, uh, we all have that, that inner layer, that, that little child that wants the last cookie, or the, that little child who wants the last dinner roll. And, uh, you know, when I grow up in a big family, somebody turns off the lights, you know, somebody ends up with a fork in their hand, grabbing for the last roll, you know. And, uh, but, uh, you know, it's just, uh, there's always that little kid that wants something. And there's always that part of us that no, we don't want anybody to take advantage of us. We don't want anybody to bully us. We don't want, any, uh, we don't want to be defrauded. And uh, we have to look out for ourselves. And before we look out for other people, we can make sure that we're taken care of. And Jesus talked about loving our neighbor as we love ourselves because naturally we love ourselves. And naturally, we're looking out for, we're looking out to make sure that we don't get left behind, making sure that we're, we're taken care of. And uh, that, that's a, that, that part of our nature is in every single one of us. And uh, so as we're getting older, there are certain attributes that, that are, are, are not good that we ought to leave behind. And there are certain attributes that, of a child that we should, we should still retain. And I want us to go over, and we're going to come back full circle to Matthew chapter 18, but I want us to go over to 1 Corinthians 13. Go back to 1 Corinthians 13. And context is so important. Understanding context um, if you don't know the context, then you miss a lot, and you, the outcome, your, 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 your uh, logic or your, the, the, the conclusion that you arrive, uh, where you arrive, is going to be completely different if you don't know the context. And we read 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul, of course, uh, has addressed quite a few issues. Corinth, uh, lo- located there in Greece, and a very, very immoral area of the world, a lot of pagan idolatry, pagan religions, and a lot of prostitution. And uh, some of this paganism and worldliness had crept into the church. The Apostle Paul, through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, had to correct some problems, had to correct some issues. And uh, one of them was about the gifts. And the Apostle Paul, uh, talking to this church, they had taken, of course, they had taken some of the sign gifts that were there for that time, and they had perverted them. They were using them in a different way. It was more to be seen of men. It was, uh, it was not used in the right way. It was not used with the goal of edification in mind. And so we uh, see in these three chapters the Apostle Paul addressing this issue, and he's talking about the unity within the body of Christ. And uh, he introduces the gifts, and he talks about the gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He talks about unity, talks about being baptized by the Spirit, and he talks about all those great things. And then we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and he starts talking about, and this is the famous chapter, uh, the famous love chapter. And he starts talking about love, about charity. And he, talk, he talks about what love is. He, start, he starts defining it. And I notice you have your theme here, love works. And that is a great theme. And I love the, 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 the theme for this year. And uh, my brother was commenting to me about some of the messages. And, and I love the song that we just heard. I was getting chucked, choked up over there with that song. And I never heard it before. That's an excellent song. And, uh, but, but, you know, we, we read about love. And this whole chapter is about we can have all these abilities. We, can have, and we, we have all this diversity within the body of Christ and the, within the church. And different people can do different things. And just because one person does one thing doesn't mean that another person is uh, better than another person. And so we have diversity. And in that diversity, within the gifts of Christ, is the strength. And there's unity. And there ought to be unity. And we need uh, uh, everybody to have different gifts. Now, with that said, the Apostle Paul, we get to chapter 13. You can have every gift, and he, he talks about it in the first verse. He says, uh, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I'm nothing. And so he goes through, and, he, and he's, he's going to the extreme. Even if I had the extreme of every single gift, 
and, and I possess the greatest of any gift, but I don't have love, it's nothing. It's meaningless. It's pointless. And I have to have love. And uh, love is so important. Charity is so important. And we get to this end of this uh, chapter, and he talks about in verse 9, he says, For we know in part, verse 9, if you'll, if you'll look with me, he says, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But then that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. And now abide of faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. So essentially, we have, uh, and if you ever think about this, this is something interesting to think about. One day, we don't have to, uh, faith is going to be over. One day faith is, is done. When one day we behold, our eyes behold our Savior, and we see Him for the first time, and we understand that all that we believed, and many skeptics, and all that we, we, put, we put our trust in, was actually real. At that point, faith ceases, because no longer do you need faith in heaven. Because it is before your very eyes. And you see it. And so faith is faith and hope, and we, and we hold on to those things, especially during times like these. But the greatest of them, he says, is charity. It's love. Love will never end. Love will never end. And so, in this verse, we, we see that when, when he's talking about this maturation, he's using the illustration where he says, I was a child, and, and I want us to notice in verse 11 the progression. He says, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, and then I, I thought as a child. And the progression is this. It, we, we, we as children, we spoke what we were able to understand, and we understood what we were able to think. And that's the process. And, and, and we, 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 we speak what we understand, and we understand what we think. And that was the process. And the Apostle Paul is making this analogy, this comparison. He's saying, just like as a child, you're on a very limited level as far as what you say, uh, understand, and think, when you transition to adulthood, you start to understand things more, more fully. And you understand more how the world works. You, your, your mind is, uh, you start to question more things. You start to open, uh, your mind is, uh, you, you think more. And just like there's a transition between uh, uh, childhood and adulthood, as far as just the being limited and knowing more, in the, same, in the same respect, the Apostle Paul is saying, one day our eyes are going to be open. We're going to see things face to face. Right now, he says in, in verse 12, we see it through a glass darkly. But one day, face to face. We're going to understand things in heaven a lot better. And this analogy is showing us that, that uh, uh, just like a child to adulthood, one day, right now, in our uh, limited, we, we are very limited. And uh, we're very limited as to what we can understand. Very limited to the times. We don't understand everything. We do not have an all-sovereign view, a, a view of everything. We do not see everything all at once like God can. And so, uh, to the limited human mind, we, we question things. We don't understand everything. And uh, But one day, right now we're seeing through a glass darkly, uh, looking through a kind of a tinted window. But one day we're going to see face to face. And our comprehension will be, we'll be at an adult level when we get to heaven. And that's the analogy we see here in this verse. Now the Apostle Paul, uh, that's the context of verse 11. I wanted to make sure I address the context. But verse 11 talks about uh, uh, this maturation. Now the Bible speaks a lot about maturation. And it's, it's throughout all the pages as we talk about uh, different topics. But maturation is, such a, is a topic that is covered so much throughout the New Testament as you go through the different epistles. Now, uh, there's different ways of referring to it. You may hear the word holy and uh, hear the word holy and think, now what does holy mean? The word holy is 
being whole or being complete. And so we think of holy, we're also thinking of maturation. And uh, we're thinking of, of, of maturing. Uh, another word that the Bible uses is perfect. Another word that the Bible uses is entire. Uh, sanctification, sanctify, those are all terms. When you get to different passages, we're talking about maturing. Of course, if you're a saved child of God, Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. He's talking about being born into the family of God. In order to see the kingdom of heaven, in order to see uh, God's kingdom, you must be born again. There must be a rebirth that must happen uh, before you can see the kingdom of God, before you can know God's will. And so uh, we, we, we look at this uh, chapter and we see this verse and uh, we're, we're looking at uh, this maturation process, leaving childish things behind. Of course, when a, when, a, when a child is playing in the toilet, you hear some water splashing and you're thinking, what is that? And uh, you, you go in there and you see, you see, I don't know if anybody of you have ever seen your kids do this, but they'll get in the toilet and they'll think, this is fun, I'm going to get in the toilet. And uh, you, you get them out of there, you pull them out of there, you have to bathe them and clean them and, and uh, clean them real good. And you, you, give them, you, know, you give them a good punishment, you tell them, don't ever do that again. And, uh, you, you know, you really have to get on to them. And, uh, that, but, and, and you may even think, that, that was funny. Remember that time, that little, you know, my little, my little Johnny jumped in the toilet, and, you know, it was gross, but it was funny. And, uh, but it's not funny if you have a teenage son that's still getting into the toilet. And a lot of times you may think, uh, now, how ridiculous, a teenage boy getting into the toilet. That, they wouldn't do that. But a lot of times in our spiritual lives, we may grow in the Lord, but we can all have immature moments. We all can have times where we lose our cool, we get angry, we say, things, we say something we regret, uh, we act immature, and uh, we all can have those moments. And so even as we mature in Christ and we mature as believers, there's times when we can, have a pretty, we can act pretty childish. And we have to be careful about that. We have to constantly grow in the Lord. Now, I want to draw out some attributes of a childish person, and I want to also draw out some attributes of a childlike person. Let's begin with the attributes of a childlike person. I'm sorry, a childish person. A childish person. And number one, I want to look at this chapter. Number one, a limited logic. A limited logic. And as we already said, the, the process is, uh, of course, a child is very limited as to his level, his ability to comprehend, his ability to think. And so it is with new believers. And new believers are very limited in their ability to process things. Uh, they're very, very uh, limited in a certain sense. I want us to go over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Galatians, Ephesians, chapter 4. And interestingly enough, in this chapter, the Apostle Paul is talking about, uh, he's talking about the different positions, he's talking about the gifts and uh, the different positions that are in the church for the edification of the body of Christ. And uh, we see here in, in verse, uh, verse 11 it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And uh, he's talking about gifts and he's talking about these different positions. In verse 12 it says, why, why, why do we have these different positions in the church? Verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints. And that's talking about maturation, by the way. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So what is maturity in essence? Maturity in essence is being molded into the image of Christ. It is becoming more like Jesus. That is maturity. So when we talk about sanctification and all these big words, we're just talking about being more like Jesus would act. And so we get to this verse here in verse 14. It says that we be henceforth 
uh, we henceforth be no more, what does it say there? Children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Uh, to deceive. And so uh, there were, in, in the Apostle Paul's day and even till now throughout the history of the church age, there have been many different winds of doctrine that have blown back and forth and many different doctrines. And in those days, the Apostle Paul had to warn them of, of, of uh, the uh, Judaism and uh, they had to warn them of the Gnosticism and different forms that were creeping into the church and they were trying to mix it with, with what had been revealed to the Apostles through the Holy Spirit and uh, uh, many, many different winds of doctrine. And even since the Apostles, since the first century, and since then, on through the ages, there have been many different winds of doctrine. And he talks about being children and, uh, and, and t- tossed to and fro and just being very, very gullible. And I, I, uh, I shared this in the first, the first hour uh, when I was preaching, but, uh, and I'm going to share it again. Uh, but uh, uh, when, we're, when we're little, uh, I don't know how many of you have older siblings. How many of you have older siblings? I just want to see a show of hands. Okay, so I don't know how many of you could relate to this. But I know that as, an, as a younger sibling, my older siblings weren't always completely honest with me. And sometimes you have older siblings, they just like to mess with their, their little brother's head, little sister's head. They just like to tell them something. And, uh, of course, one time when I was little, uh, my library book was overdue, and my, my brothers actually convinced me that the police was gonna come, were going to come and, and take me away, and they had me in there in my room packing my bags. And I would not have believed them had it not been for the fact that they got my dad to go along with it. And I believed everything my dad said. So once my dad said it, I was like, oh, man, they're going to really come for me, and this is it. And so I'm in my room packing my bags, and, and uh, this is... And uh, but little kids, that's, they believe. They think, you know, my older brother, man, he's, he's a junior, senior in high school, man. He knows everything. And uh, you look up to them, and you think, they're it. You know, you really look up, and you think, whatever they know, I mean, they really know a lot, and they're, they're telling to me, so it must be true. And I remember as I got older... And uh, I got into college even, even as late as college. This is, this is ridiculous. But I got into college, and I remember just certain, just really, really dumb things, just things you think about, and you think, man, I spent my whole life believing this thing that my, one of my older brothers told me, and I, this, whole li- this whole time I've been believing a lie. And you have to, as you get older, you have to undo so many of the lies that you were told as a, as a younger child. And, uh, uh, but, but really... That, that, that's exactly how a little child is. They're, they're more moldable. And they're very simple-minded. And they have a, they're, a, they're a blank sheet of paper. And it's whoever writes on that sheet of paper first, usually. Whoever gets to that sheet of paper to write on it, is, uh, and, and, and children are very moldable. Now, uh, we don't need to be like children, tossed to and fro. In other words, uh, with everyone, in other words, we need to be people of the book. We need to understand that we have the Word of God. And one of the things that we stand on as Baptists is biblical authority. And that is, more than what a pastor says, or more than what a creed says, or more than what anything says, it's what the Bible says. And one of the great things about it, the fact that we're not in the dark ages anymore, is that the printing press was invented. We now have the Bible. We can actually produce the Bible in mass production with the printing press. It's an amazing invention. And uh, we, can, we can print things before everything had to be done by hand. And before you had a Bible chained to a pulpit, and uh, pre- uh, a priest would get up and read the Bible in Latin, and uh, people would sit there and say, I didn't understand a word of it, but I'm sure it was good. And uh, that was great. And they would walk out, and they didn't understand anything. And no one had a copy of their own copy of the Word of God. No one had their own copy of the Bible. And uh, today, today we have that. And many people have multiple copies of the Bible in their house. 
And uh, we ought to be people that, that when we come to services, we ought to have our Bibles open. We ought to be following along. We ought to be questioning and thinking. What, and not with a critical spirit. Be, be careful about this. Not with a, a critical spirit. Let me find out where the pastor's wrong. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come up to him after him and I'm going to find something he said that was wrong. Not with that kind of an attitude. But we ought to be sitting there thinking, okay, what is he teaching? What is the context of this passage? We ought to try to learn the Bible more. And uh, that way, uh, if, he, if, if somebody gets up behind this pulpit and says something completely wrong, we ought to be careful. And uh, we ought to be careful to know the, the, the book. We ought to be careful to know the Word of God and to be able to study it ourselves. And uh, we ought to not be so limited in our logic. In order to grow in our faith, we ought to study the Word of God. We ought to know it. You know, this is interesting, and I say this a lot in my messages, but nowhere in the Bible that I've ever found does it ever say to read the Bible. But it does say a lot to meditate on it. It does say a lot to, to meditate on the precepts and to, to think about it. Now, we can't meditate upon what we haven't read okay, or heard. And so we have to hear and read so we can meditate. In other words, the Bible doesn't just want us to read the Word of God. The Bible wants us to take a step further and actually be in our brain as we go throughout the day to be thinking about it, to be mulling it over, to be thinking about verses that deal maybe with certain struggles we have. But if we're to grow in our faith, we need to maybe identify some of the struggles that we have Find some Bible verses and say, okay, what, what verse talks about this? What verse talks about that? Okay, I struggle with the tongue. The Bible's full of verses that talk about the tongue. You don't have to go, go very far to find a verse that talks about the tongue. It's in the Old and New Testament alike. And uh, you can find many verses and memorize them and think about them. Uh, a fool uttereth all his mind. Okay, so I don't want to speak all my mind. And it's very easy to do sometimes. But we need to be growing in our faith and, and not be so limited. We need to, to grow in the Word of God and be growing and studying it more and allowing God's Word to transform our lives as we grow day by day. Number, number two, attribute of a childish person. Number two, a lacking love. Number two, a lacking love. And uh, we go back to 1 Corinthians 13. And, of course, as I said before, this chapter is all about love. 1 Corinthians 13. And it's all about charity. And, of course, if we think about a childish person, we don't just think about ignorance, we also think about selfishness. And uh, when, when a baby is, we, we just came, uh, uh, before we came, uh, we, we were on a plane, and, uh, you know, I, I got to thinking, you know, uh, before we got on the plane, I said, man, I hope, when you, when you have a newborn baby, you just hope that they don't just scream the whole time, their face is red, and everyone around you is kind of just looking back and giving that half look and uh, turning their head halfway and just... Uh, you just hope that people don't do that on the plane and, and, uh, or even say something to you. And you hope that your baby actually behaves. And uh, I'm, ho- I'm hoping, I'm saying, you know, asking the Lord, just help her to be calm and be nice and calm. I want, every- I want us and everybody around us to have a nice, peaceful plane ride. And uh, so we sat in the back of the plane, and there was another baby there. And, and uh, the babies would go back and forth. Our, our child would cry for a little bit, and then their child would cry for a little bit. And it was a little bit back and forth. And, you know, I got to thinking, I, you know, Babies, at no point in time, when a baby's on an airplane, do they ever think, at no point in time does it ever cross their mind, there are other passengers on this plane. I know I'm hungry, and I want mommy to feed me, but, you know, I should not cry because I want to be considerate of them. You know, a baby doesn't think about other people. A baby thinks about, you know, their stomach, they think about sleeping, they're tired, They, they think about them. And that's natural for a baby. But a lot of times we as Christians can be like that. We think about us and no one else. And we're so, we're just so, our whole world revolves, or the whole world has to revolve around us. Our wishes, our convenience. And everything is about us. 
and everything. We could have different uh, things in the church, and there are churches that have split over the color of the carpet or over uh, which side the piano is on, or, or or just different things. And and Christians who ought to be not be so childish, they'll get up in arms about things, and they just say, you know, I, I I want things my way. Basically, they won't say those words. They'll be a little more sophisticated about it, but basically, that in so many words, that's what they're saying. Things got to be my way. Things got to be what I want. It's all about me. And a child does not think about other people. And a lot of times we can be very childish. We're very limited in, in, in our logic and very lacking in our love. A child, uh, we're childish when we lack in love. We don't think about other people. And First uh, uh, John chapter two. Uh, let's go there real fast. And First uh, John chapter two. Past Hebrews, Hebrews, James, first, second, Peter, first, John, first, John, chapter two. And by the way, the book of first, John, when we're talking about Christian maturity, and I, I, I've said this, but I don't know if there's a book in the Bible that speaks more about Christian maturity than the book of first, John. And uh, the book of first, John, he uses the words, my little children, quite a bit. And uh, when he says my little children, he's not literally referring to little children. He's talking about little children in the faith. People who are or, or have been born again, but they're newer in the faith. And they haven't quite grown in their faith yet. And so, 1 John chapter 2, we look at verse 9. And uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 9, it says, He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. He that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. And uh, how can we say we're in the light and have any disdain or hatred towards anybody, no matter who, who they are? How can we say we're in the light? One of the hallmarks, uh, uh, by this, Shalom and know you, my disciples, that you, have love, that you have love one toward another. How do people know that we're disciples of Christ if we don't have love one toward another? If love is not so obvious... You know, the, the darker it gets, the brighter the lights are. And the less love there is, the more Christ's love ought to show. The, more, the less there's love, and you may think, man, no, there's no love anymore. There's just hate everywhere. Well, you know what? That means that Christ's love flowing through you will be that much more powerful than normal. The more we're in a world that's a selfish, egocentric world, the more Christ's love is so, is so obvious. It's so... You can see it from a mile away. Because we don't live in a world where, where, where people actually have, even many Christians, sad to say, don't exercise Christ's love. We need to grow up and not have these attributes of a, child, of a childish person. Let's go on to a childlike person. Now let's move back to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. A couple points of a childlike person. Number one. What are some of the attributes of a childlike person? What is that Jesus pointed out? What is so great? What is this something about a child that we ought to keep? Point number one, a faith that saves. A faith that saves. And uh, verse 3 says, Jesus is talking to them, and he brings a little child in their midst, and he says, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so in verse 3, he's talking about being converted. He's saying, okay, 
who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Let's start with those who are not, who are outside of the kingdom of heaven. Let's start with those who are outside of the kingdom of heaven. Who is the greatest? Okay, if you want to even get into the kingdom of heaven, you gotta be like a little child. And that's how you get into the kingdom of heaven. If you want to be converted, then you must be like a little child. It is a faith that saves. It is the childlike faith that comes to, that comes to God. And a lot of people, they get older, and, and, and perhaps the hardest people who, who, who don't want to come to Christ, is, it's pride, and they, they've been living their whole life, and, uh, and, and perhaps climbing up the wrong ladder, so to speak. And they've been climbing up the wrong ladder, and they think, uh, and it's pride that doesn't want to say, I've been wrong all these years. And, 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 uh, and pride will keep so many people from coming to Christ, humbly coming to Christ and saying, Lord, I was wrong, I'm a sinner, and I need to, I need to be saved. I need you as my Savior. I need salvation. And uh, other people think I'm saved. Pride. I don't want to do that. Other people think I'm saved. Pride. And pride is, 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 is so dangerous. We have to be careful. We have to have a faith that saves. And a lot of times we have to go back to that childlike faith. That childlike faith that says, Mommy, Daddy, can I have this? In our prayer life, we have to go back to that. And we have to ask for simple things. You know, sometimes we forget to ask for simple things. And uh, we, we get so, we, we like to provide for ourselves. We get so independent. We have money. We have money in our bank account. We don't think to ask for simple things. A faith that saves. Point number two is a humility that serves. A humility that serves. In verse four, he says, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So we look at verse three, and he's talking about being converted. And then we look at verse four. Those who are in the kingdom of heaven, he says here in verse four, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest, is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So to get saved, you need to humble yourself as a little child. Now that you're in the kingdom of heaven, okay, you need to return to that humility. The humility of a little child. Humility of not thinking you're, you're, you're too big. You're not, not thinking you're so important. We have to be careful about that. And uh, that, that humility we have, to co- we have to go back to. And uh, those are certain childlike attributes that we, that we, sometimes as adults, we get more money. We get more affluence and we get more things we accumulate more, more materials, a house, a TV, uh, smartphones, smart everything. My, my, I was talking to my younger brother. He has a smart AC unit. He can turn it on from, his ha- from uh, miles away, and he can do so many things from his phone with his AC unit. I thought, man, that's great. But there's a smart everything nowadays. Uh, but we accumulate so many things, and, uh, and uh, a lot of times we get very independent. We need to be careful about that. And uh, just get, simply being dependent upon the Lord for his grace. You know, we get saved by grace through faith. And we grow by grace through faith. How we get saved, it's interesting enough, how we get saved is how we grow. We get saved by grace through faith, we grow by grace through faith. We get saved by the gospel, we grow by the gospel. And those things that we never graduate from, how, uh, the simple things of how we get saved, we never graduate from. We always got to go back to those things. As we, as we seek, and we ask the Lord, and we seek to, to grow in our faith. And uh, may the Lord give us the strength, His grace, to continually mature. You know, you can grow old without growing up. And there can be people that fill the chairs of this church for many years, and they still act very childish. And may that not be said of us. May we constantly be seeking to grow. And uh, make sure that we, uh, uh, that, uh, that humility, that, that, that we constantly humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, and have that faith in His and his, uh, and his grace that he can work through us for his glory. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I ask that you would just please bless this time of invitation and uh, that you would just work in every single heart here. Lord, maybe if there's somebody who doesn't know you as their Savior, that you would save them, that you would do a work in their life. 
Lord, thank you so much for everything you do for us. May you work during this time. 